0: Hello, and welcome to episode 416 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, joined by two of our top strategists here at ETR and Mike Leone and Jack Miller. Leone, how's it going today?
1: It's going well. Excited to dive into the draft strategy. Jack, good
2: afternoon. Good afternoon. Things are going well. Excited for, uh, for redraft season. It's officially here. Jack is coming to you live from his college dorm room, which makes me
0: sick as I will be celebrating my 40th birthday next week. But anyways, I digress. On today's show, we're going to talk about how to win your draft from picks one through four. And otherwise, in other words, if you have pick one, pick two, pick three or four, what should our strategy be? If you want the full breakdown on this and continuous updates that come throughout the next few weeks as we get set for week one, be sure you have our draft kit. We are tracking every piece of news and the role change and injury stuff so you don't have to. You can show up and be the most prepared alpha there. Also, note this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. They are still running this absurd $2 million to first, $1 million to second place, $25 buy-in fantasy best ball tournament right now. Really is the best way to put your knowledge to use immediately and the best way to get ready for your home league drafts that are coming up. All right, picks one through four. I I think that this is where I want to be. I want to have a pick in spots one through four. I think four is the best because I think there's an actual tier drop after four. We have Christian McCaffrey. We have Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson. And I think, you know, as much as I like Jamar Chase and Austin Eckler and some of these other guys, I think there's a tier drop after those first four. So taking the back end of that pick four is my favorite spot to draft. You also get, I think, a pretty good selection of guys on the way back, which we'll talk about. And I think it's easier to control the draft from somewhere more in the middle. And so the fourth pick to me is the best. Leone, I'm curious if you thought about where you could ideally draft. If you could pick any spot to draft this year, where would it be?
1: Yeah, I think it's the top four as well. Getting one of the elite players, CMC has a ceiling beyond you know any other running back. And if he hits in a big way, your win rate is immediately going to be way higher than expectation with him. And then Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, give you such a leg up at wide receiver. And to me, a lot of the running backs at the back end of the first round aren't going to be, that much different in terms of ceiling as far as what you could get coming back in the second round so if you're fourth it's really nice because you have a better chance at getting one of those still you know high ceiling running backs even if you start with a jefferson or a cup at wide receiver
0: yep i think we should get into that right away so we know that you're you once you make your first round pick you have one of those four in the next in that first year when it gets to you in the second round in the third round here it really sets up your whole draft, you know, and Leonie mentioned some running backs. The thing is, I don't think Alvin Kamara gets back to us anymore with all this news around him not getting suspended now. I don't think Saquon Barkley gets back to us anymore. And definitely not DeAndre Swift, probably not Aaron Jones either, maybe Lenny Fournette, but I don't know, Jack, I feel like it's hard to get a running back in competitive leagues, at least back to you here in round two. So I end up a lot with tight end, Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts. I end up with Tyreek, T. Higgins, AJ Brown, Michael Pittman, DJ Moore types. But if I started with Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup, I'm kind of starting to set up a zero RB build. So what do you think about running backs that possibly get back to you in round two or round three? Or are we looking wide receiver tight end here?
2: Yeah, I think if one of those guys you mentioned, like a Saquon Barkley, a Kamara and Aaron Jones get back to you, I think I jump on that immediately. But like you said, their ADPs are kind of starting to rise. And that gets you into the point where you don't want to reach on a running back, especially in the second round with such a high capital pick. So I I find myself agreeing with you most of the time that Mark Andrews in the second round or Kyle Pitts in the third round or getting one of those wide receivers, one of those T Higgins types uh, is someone I find myself with a lot. Either of the Chargers receivers, uh, Keenan Allen tends to go a bit earlier uh, or Tyree Kill, DJ Moore some of those guys. And that does set up a zero RB build. And I think if you started Jefferson or Cup, I should clarify. And I think that's okay if you're in a PPR league, especially if you can start three receivers. If you're in like a half PPR league where you need to start only two receivers plus a flex, then it becomes a little bit less optimal to go zero RB in my opinion. And so I guess guess it kind of comes down to knowing your league settings in terms of how much you really need to get that running back in round two or three if you missed out on CMC or Jonathan Taylor in the first round. Yeah, Leonie, what do you think about Leonard Fournette? Because I feel like he's the running back that you likely can
0: get with your second round pick if you had this pick one through four. What do you think about Fournette that early in the back end of the second round?
1: I I think he's fine there. I mean, from a talent perspective, he's not necessarily someone we want to bet on. Like He's not an explosive type player. Um, he's aging a little bit, but he is, you know, former first round pick. And really the big thing here is just the high value touches for Tampa Bay. And when we say high value touches, we mean targets for the running backs and we mean goal line carries for the running backs and no offense supported more high value touches than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, They had 11 more than the chargers, they were way out in front of the rest of the NFL. So in a full PPR league, even half for nuts going to get there. He's going to get the touches that matter most. I mean, there's a little bit of risk with the drafting of Rashad white behind him, but ultimately from a ceiling perspective, I mean, he's got a, a top five running back chance just because of the offense yeah. around him. It's always scary to bet on players because of their environment and not because of their individual talent. But I think it's discounted enough that it's okay to do here. If you haven't taken a running back to start off your draft.
0: I I will say that when I'm here in this range with pick one through four, I'm often coming out of this two, three turn with one of the receivers that I like, uh, Tyreek T Higgins, AJ Brown, Pittman, DJ, Moore, waddle. Like, like one of those types there. Uh, I'm usually coming out with one of them and the Andrews or Pitt stuff. I think is interesting as well. The thing that I want to be clear about is that if you didn't start with CMC or Jonathan Taylor, and then you had two wide receivers with your next two picks or tight end and wide receiver, I don't want to start forcing running back. At four or five, like if Travis Etienne or Bruce Hall got to me in the fourth or fifth round, then I would take it, but man, there's not a lot of other running backs in that four or five range, Leone. as we talk about the dead zone a little bit that I really want. So what, how do you feel about the four or five spot? with either already having one of Jay, Jay Taylor or CMC senior your team, or maybe you're at zero RB at this point.
1: Yeah, if you're zero RB, I think you're ecstatic if one of the guys you mentioned, Brees Hall, ATN Falls, maybe even JK Dobbins. I'm sure he'll get steamed up as we get closer to the start of the season, but right now his fantasy pros ADP and PPR League's 50, which is right at that four or five turn. Uh, If you already have a running back or those guys are gone, I think this is a spot where you you just have to keep going wide receiver. There's a lot of good breakout wide receiver potential. You know, Chris Godwin is falling because people are concerned about the injury. If you can stomach him, especially if you've started zero RB, you can probably, you know, eat some weeks with Godwin on your bench. If he starts out injured, Uh, I think he's a strong pick. You've got Marquise Brown, Juju Smith Schuster, Cortland Sutton, you know, both the Denver guys really. I'm on Ross St. Brown's the guy we're into, Gabe Davis. There's just so much firepower. I've listed off like five, seven names. I really like. I would take all of those guys before I take, you know, a really volume-dependent running back, like um, you know, a Josh Jacobs or a David Montgomery type. And, and those guys might even be gone by then. And you can, you can figure it out later. You can take Tony Pollard, maybe at the six, seven turn. Um, yeah. AJ Dillon, maybe at 6'7". So you can figure out running back later. Don't panic, it's not gonna make
0: your team better. You know, now, now that I'm actually talking through this, Jack, I'm kind of thinking that although I prefer Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson to Jonathan Taylor this year in a vacuum, it's so close and the way the rest of the draft sets up, I might actually take Jonathan Taylor second ahead of those guys, just so I can set up more of a hero RB build than a zero RB build. Because if I took Taylor and then I go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, or wide receiver, wide receiver, QB, tight end, or whatever combo, I feel better about my running back
2: spot. You follow what I'm saying there? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, throwing it back to the what draft pick you think is is optimal, I think one or two would be best, just so you can get that elite running back, and then you can kind of ignore the position for a while, build a group of of high upside RB3, RB4 types where you hope and and hope through the chaos of the season that one of those turns into your RB2. But regardless, you have that dependable high-end RB1 and J tier CMC, and that allows you to just pound wide receiver for the next four or five rounds without really having to worry about running back at all. Yep, exactly. And you can find
0: Jack's full thoughts on this in the draft kit. You can find his full article on how to draft from each position. I know you've been more into mid-round QB lately, Leone. When you're picking here and picks one through four, is the 4-5 spot too early to a quarterback? We know Josh Allen's going to go there. Maybe Lamar Jackson goes in that range. Um, I've seen all kinds of crazy quarterback things this year. What do you think about quarterback here around round five, or round four? Yeah, I think in a single quarterback league, that four or five is too early. You know, Allen is the guy that
1: I might pull the trigger on at the four or five term, but he's probably going to be gone. Uh, I think, you know, I like Lamar. I like Herbert, Kyler, Mahomes, the rest of that tier, but I think it's too early in a single quarterback league. The big thing is you don't want to miss out on the top nine to eleven quarterbacks you don't want to be caught in the cold there but i think if you wait around and maybe you can get jalen hurts in six seven you're fine you know Dak and brady you can potentially even get at eight nine uh so i think there's outs i mean you want to read the room and see where it's going make sure you don't get stuck with a quarterback outside of those top ten because the upside really drops off and quarterback scoring has been a lot more predictable the last few seasons, but that doesn't mean you have to overreact and take the very top ones too early.
0: Uh, the last point I want to mention here in this four or five round spot is the tight end stuff. Cause we know that the truly elite tight ends are going to be gone, but Darren Waller has been dropping and George Kittle goes in this range. Also, I'm kind of tempted by both of them because I think that there is a pretty big teardrop as you get down to the Dalton Schultz, Hawkinson, Goddard types who I I can make a case for all those guys, but I think the guys who actually dominate and win you weeks maybe stops after Waller and maybe you can include Kittle in there, although it's obviously risky with how run heavy San Francisco is going to be. So Jack, what do you think about tight end here in round five?
2: Yeah, I'm fine with both Waller and Kittle at the four or five turn. I think, like you said, there's a big drop off from from those two to Dalton Schultz, who's probably the, the tight end six right now in ADP. He's in a great situation, but he doesn't have the the just truly high-end elite talent that Waller and Kittle have. And I think that's kind of what we're searching for here. And so that's what differentiates both of those guys for me. And so I think at 4-5, or five, if I'm not going receiver there, then it would be more Waller-Kittle instead of a running back uh, with those picks. As we get to the round 6
0: and 7, I think whether I have that hero RB build going or the zero RB build going, I'm looking to address... Running back. It's funny. I wrote down the same names that Leonie already said AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard here. You know, obviously, there's some, I think, lower floor on Tony Pollard in case Z comes out and looks great again. I think AJ Dillon's floor is a little bit higher, but yeah, you got to spend around six or round seven pick. Also, in round six or round seven, if I haven't addressed quarterback yet, Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray, I've seen go as late as here, and I'd be happy. To do that, because once it gets past there, then you're just hoping that Trey Lance, I think, gets back to you. And I don't know that we can guarantee that in round eight or nine. So, Jack, I know you've been working on the later round running back targets. I think when you pick in spots one through four, you're going to be thin at running back as we get to round six or seven. Dylan and Pollard, we mentioned. Anyone else stick out to you at running back in this range?
2: Yeah, I think Dylan and Pollard are probably the two best. I think you could throw... Miles Sanders in the discussion and then Elijah Mitchell, maybe his ADP falls a little bit um, because he's dealing with the hamstring injury and and he already has a little bit of an injury history. So his ADP might drop in the coming weeks as we we lead up to week one. Um, and then I think this is really when I start, wanna start looking at quarterback, like you said, like I think through five rounds, I'm not gonna have a quarterback, but Jalen Hurts in round six, Kyler Murray in round six, and then I'm even fine with Trey Lance in round seven if you have an early pick. So I think that's kind of my plan of attack for the 6-7 turn if I have an early pick is get one of those high upside running backs and then also try to lock down an elite dual threat quarterback here.
0: Yeah, and the point that we've been making uh, is that after you get past the Hurts-Kyler-Land stuff, you get into a lot of pocket passers and they need insane efficiency to compete with the runners. And so as much as I like Joe Burrow or uh, Tom Brady, I know Aaron Rodgers shoved it down my throat last year. Like, I, I get all that, um, but I still want one of these rushing types as we move to rounds eight and nine here leone see I, in these builds that we're gonna have here i mean you have to start taking running back shots to me and to me it's like chase edmonds miles sanders jack mentioned maybe goes a little bit earlier Ramondre stevenson damian pierce's adp is gonna go through the roof now melvin gordon um do you agree that we have to start hitting running back here in round eight nine, 10 based on the builds that we have and any favorites you have in this range
1: yeah, I think so. And some a lot of the wide receivers I mentioned at the four or five turn as well, like in more casual leagues, they might fall to six, seven. So like you don't have to press running back there if those guys that Jack mentioned are gone and that allows you at eight, nine to start hitting. Um, I like some of the guys that have a little bit of a base role plus some upside. So Kenny Gainwell, Naheem Hines types, and this might even be going into the double digit round some, but the elite handcuffs that have a huge ceiling are interesting as well. You look at an Isaiah Spiller type um i mentioned Kenneth Walker i think Kenneth Walker is someone whose ADP could mm-hmm. fall a lot cuz he's going to miss some of the preseason with a hernia issue but we do also want to be cognizant of taking running backs and players that are going to perform towards the end of the season and he's an elite rushing prospect that towards the end of the year could you know really fill that RB2 spot that's a little bit weak for you so focus on
0: those types of players all right i hope that helped you all get set if you have picks one, two, three, or four in your draft. I think if you do have one of those picks, you need to be prepared to take late round or later round running back shots because you're not gonna have access to these hero RB builds, which I actually think are viable. And we'll talk about those in the next couple episodes. But yeah, I think those builds are viable, Um, but you're not gonna get it in picks one through four. And so you need to be prepared with some of the later round running back stuff in the draft kit. We do have an article identifying our favorite later round running backs by each spot. Stay tuned for that, for Jack, for Leonie, for producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.